Hi everyone, welcome to Ask the Horse Live. I'm your host, as always, Michelle Anderson, Digital Managing Editor of thehorse.com. Tonight we are talking about mud management and equine health, and there are a bunch of you out there listening, so obviously it's a popular topic that's on a lot of our minds right now as we manage our horses during the winter. So I have to say, yuck. We can all agree mud is totally gross. It causes multiple health problems for our horses, and it makes enjoying and caring for our horses challenging during the winter. But it's usually not something I worry about too much living in Oregon's high desert. We usually have more than 300 days of sunshine and less than a foot of rain a year. Uh, you can compare that to the 48 inches of rain my coworkers in Lexington, Kentucky get. No wonder the grass is so lush and, and green there. But don't hate me. But I have to say, I don't even own a pair of muck boots, uh, but I need to get a pair because this year it's been different. This winter in central Oregon, we've been hit by El Nino and his constant gift of rain and quickly melting snow. My small horse property is a mess, so like you, I'm really looking forward to our conversation tonight with Elaine Blickley of Horses for Clean Water in Nampa, or, or Idaho, and Ashley Embley of Rood and Riddle Equine Hospital, who divides her time between Lexington and Ocala, Florida. Welcome to both of you. Thank you for having me. Yes, hello. Thanks for having us. So let's start with you, Elaine. Can you tell us about your interest in and experience with tonight's topic? Sure, I'd be glad to. So I have a business called Horses for Clean Water, and I've been doing this for about 20 years. And I teach land management practices to horse owners um, with kind of a, the bottom line being looking at environmental impacts and reducing those. So the kinds of practices that I teach are things like manure management and composting, pasture management, chemical use reduction, and mud management. And people listening may also know you from your smart, smart horse keeping blog that you write regularly for us at thehorse.com. That's right. I enjoy doing that very much. Dr. Embley, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your experience in practice, and your also your experience treating and managing horses in the mud. Um, yes, I've been practicing with Rude and Riddle uh, for five years, and I do divide my time. I am eight months in Lexington, Kentucky, and then I spend four months predominantly in Wellington, Florida, and traveling up to Ocala, Florida. Um, I see predominantly performance horses, hunters, jumpers, eventers, dressage, driving, polo, um, that would be probably 80% of my practice these days, um, but I've also um, have some thoroughbreds and do a little bit of repro still and um, have a lot of experience with skin and horses in the wet, both in Kentucky and in Florida. Okay. And can you tell us a little bit about your personal horses? Um, I have kind of a collection. Um, I grew up riding and, and showing, and um, I've got a little girl now who's nine, so currently, I hope my husband's not listening, he will actually know our current um, horse count, but I think we have about <laughs> five ponies and um, about five or six horses, so our, our total is somewhere around 11 now. 
So everyone who's listening, we're ready to get started on your questions. Uh, during registration, as always, you could submit questions uh, that we'll be addressing tonight. If you're listening live, you can also send us questions through the console in front of you, and we will be getting to those as, as we go through uh, the evening. Uh, let's go ahead and get started with uh, Dr. Embley. Joan is in Ohio, and Joan wants to know what are some of the negative health effects uh, on subjecting horses to muddy areas on a consistent basis. So what are some of our concerns? I think our, our main concerns, the things that you constantly run into, are skin and hooves. And uh, as you know, skin is the biggest organ in the body, and it is their barrier and their protection against the elements. And constantly, when, it, when it's constantly wet um, and affected and breaks down, that can lead to a whole list of, of different health concerns. And also their feet, uh, their hooves take a beating. Uh, that's when, you know, it is the cause of many problems, like thrush, CD toe, white line, lots of these diseases um, that we see, lots of these conditions we have to treat can be because of a breakdown of that external barrier. Okay. And Elaine, can you, um, well, we, I have, we have a question for you, Elaine, and it's from Justine in Salem, Oregon, which is a very wet part of our state. Uh, she wants to know what is the best material to put down in well-traveled areas. So these high traffic areas on our farms are the places where our horses are most likely to get in the mud and then have these health conditions that Dr. Embley has mentioned. Um, how do you deal with those, Elaine? So I, uh, so high traffic areas might be like in front of gates or in front of stalls or some kind of walkway and they could even be um, people areas like where you walk back and forth from cleaning your stalls to dumping the manure. So high traffic areas, what's going to work best in those areas is some kind of a gravel product and it usually is going to depend on what's most available in your area as to, um, to what I would recommend. But some kind of crushed rock so size-wise, it could be as big as like one and a quarter uh, inches down to five-eighths inches or, or even a little bit smaller. I probably wouldn't go, wouldn't put sand in those areas. I'd stick with a bigger one that's going to, a uh, larger size gravel product that's going to drain a little bit better. And Dr. Emily, do you ever see any um, issues with some of those gravel products that people do put down in their high traffic areas and and some bruising on the on the feet? I know, you know, my horses they tend to get softer feet when they're standing in the wet, and then I'm concerned about them stepping on rocks when I'm out trail riding. But is that gravel as it comes up? Could it uh, hurt our horses? Well, I think it, what Elaine said is very important. I think a little bit, you know, has to do with the size and um, certainly the really small, fine gravel is not good because a lot of times that will, you know, that can be a predecessor for abscesses. You can have a very fine material work its way up in the hoof. So I, I think the larger size is is better because it uh, mitigates some of, of the things that you see. Um, 
I also think that, you know, you just have to be careful as to what you use because, like you said, I mean, if they're big, huge rocks, obviously, if you have unshod horses, it could bruise the bottom of the horse's hooves. And if I could um, add something there, Michelle, I would say I always tell people that it's really important, no matter what kind of footing that you choose, that you re maintain your regular hoof care for your horses and try to keep their feet clean so you pick out anything that might get stuck in their hoof, like a piece of gravel or a piece of oak wood if you have a, a wood product in your paddocks, just like you would if you were on a trail ride. So you, maintaining good hoof care is really important, particularly in the winter time. Okay. They do. They go hand in hand, your your surfaces and then your your care as well. It's You have to do them together. Okay. So no just throwing them out during the winter and ignoring them and having the fear come out in, in the springtime to get them ready for riding season then? Ideally not. <laughs> <laughs> riding season might be a little ways off if that's the, if that's the case. Dr. Embley, we received a lot of questions about treating scratches. Uh, Marianne in Virginia asks, what are the do's and don'ts of managing and eliminating scratches? And Marcy's in Massachusetts, and she wanted to know, is a horse more susceptible to scratches once it's been successfully treated? So can you start by explaining to us what scratches in is, and then maybe you have a magic solution for it or a magic treatment that works? Um, <laughs> I wish I did have a magic cure because I, I will say let's start with, what is scratches? And scratches is really, it's kind of a catch-all phrase. It's a very broad term. Um, it, you can, sometimes you hear scratches, sometimes you hear mud fever, sometimes dew poisoning, greasy heel. These are all basically the same thing. And what they are is it's a skin disease is what it boils down to. Um, you commonly see it on the heels of the horse and back of the pastern, sometimes right above the fetlock or around the fetlock region. And it usually occurs because of repeated wetting of the skin and then drying. And it's a little bit similar to you know, getting chapped lips and then, um, you know, you, you wet them because they're sore and then they get chapped and it's it's a, a kind of a vicious cycle um, and they are very hard to manage and also they are of varying degrees I mean you certainly want to catch them early and start treating them and because they can progress I mean sometimes they can be so bad when they crack you get you know your mud your dirt bacteria fungus in there and then you can have a, a pretty severe infection that can even go systemically and the horses can you know have oozing cracking legs they can develop they can actually develop a fever you know hence the mud fever um, and they can be lame from them in, in extreme circumstances so again it's a, a very broad term and um, certainly different ways to manage them, I think based on their severity, certainly sometimes it requires veterinary management. Um, if you catch it very early, you may be able to take care of some of it on your own, but, but definitely um, potentially you know, be ready to involve your veterinarian if necessary. Okay. Do's and don'ts, 
I could talk really long time, but I'm going to try and, and, and just some simple ones. The, the most important thing is keeping the legs dry. And that's very hard, especially in wet or muddy conditions, which is, again, why we have a lane here to tell us how we can get rid of our mud. Um, but keeping the legs clean. Um, so when they come in, you, you can clean them. Um, sometimes you have to shave the hair in order for them to be able to get to the air, like for the big draft horses, or sometimes even the ones like, you know, the ones that go out in the field in Lexington. Sometimes in order to get to the root of the problem, we have to do a body clip basically on the lower limbs, like take all the hair so that it can breathe. Um, a lot of topical products um, that we use, you don't want to be too abrasive. Um, you want to be soothing. I will sort of give away my secret, and it is I love silver sulfazidine, SSD, and I like it because it's soothing, and it works really well in the horses, like the show horse population that I see that do come in and then also turn out that are that are managed, but sometimes I'll, I'll put that on and then um, cover them with a, like a calf padding that they use in people and in animals when they put, for small animals, when they put cast on, it's a very soft um, material. And then maybe wrap that and I leave them covered at night and then I take it all off and then let it air out all day. But that is for a horse that is able to be managed in a stall um, and and minimal turnout. Um, for your horse that lives in the pasture 24-7, you know, you might just be keeping the legs clean, drying them every day, and then applying your topical. Also something like a, a CK salve, that's ketoconazole and um, chlorhexidine, an antifungal and an antibacterial can attack the the bacterial and fungal components. So Dr. Emily, Lisa is in our live audience and she wants to know if mud boots or wraps are an effective way in preventing scratches or other conditions of the skin on the leg. Have you had any experience with that working for any of your clients? Um, well, the thing about, it, it depends on, on the boots um, and sometimes the problem with those is that you will have material get up under them. You will have mud or gravel or sand get up under the boots, in which case it can cause even more of a problem because of the rubbing of the abrasive um, substance. So I've sort of had mixed results and it's very geographical and depending on your management style and, you know, are the boots coming off? Are you drying the legs after and if you're staying on top of them. Okay, and we're getting lots of follow-up questions on scratches. Jeff in our live audience wants to know if feathers on the legs contribute to scratches development. Um, so if, if they're wet underneath and especially like with the big draft breeds when, or you, your Gypsy Vanners, your Percherons, the, the big heavy horses that have so much hair Sometimes they'll get wet and it takes so long to dry underneath um, that you can develop some of that pasture and dermatitis underneath. But hair is also a great 
protector. So I'm not saying go shave all the feathers off all your horses because actually, especially where the, the water runs down the leg right above the ergot, which is that little um, uh, cornification um, right there at the bottom of the fetlock, those feathers that come down, if you watch when the water runs down the horses, it will actually take the water off it and drops behind their heel bulbs. So the feathers do serve a purpose, but sometimes when they stay wet for extended periods, you will develop pattern dermatitis and dermatitis under those. So there are instances where you would have to shave them in order to clear up the problem. And that's why I say it's it's hard because it's very much an individual basis. No, and that's why I can't, that's why there isn't one miracle cure for scratches because it's so varied and um, it's such a case-by-case -case basis. I will say, you know, one of the questions, you know, talking about are certain things predisposing horses to scratches I will say I see more scratches in horses with white legs than anything else. I do think the white-legged horses, are their skin is a bit more sensitive. Okay. Jan's listening live, and she wants to know if uh, scratches can be passed from horse to horse or made worse on a horse by wearing boots during exercise, like a sports medicine boot. So don't worry. It can't be passed horse to horse. It's a very individual thing. Um, so you can, you know, if you share a brush that or anything like that, you're not going to pass scratches to another horse. Um, but the boots, kind of going back to what, you can get a boot rub, and that could be very similar to scratches because you basically break the skin, which, again, that's why I say scratches is kind of a catch-all term. But if you wore sports medicine boots, you got sand up under it, the sand rubs the horse's leg, opens a little place, you get some uh, bacteria, some fungus in, and then yes, it, it appears basically the same way, you know, scratches are. So that's why you have to be careful with your boot selection, make sure that they fit, make sure you always put clean, dry boots on your horse when, and when the boots come off, that you clean them, you leave them airing out too dry, and that you also go, you know, clean your horse's legs after wearing the boots and making sure that the boots aren't rubbing the horse anywhere. Okay. And Beth is listening live, and she wants to know if we should be picking off the scabs off our horses that have scratches. I have to ask Elaine. Elaine, do you pick or not pick? It, it always seems like a, a, <laughs> um, well, a, a debate yeah, in every barn. So it, we have raining horses, and when we lived in western Washington where it's really wet, we would get scratches in the summertime even in, a, in the pasture when they'd be out in the pasture. And what worked really well for us was uh, Desidin for diaper rash for babies. And we would shampoo the legs where the sores were. And, yeah, we'd try to work the scabs off. We'd dry them really well. And then we'd put Desidin on them. And that, that was the trick that worked for us. Okay. So, Dr. Emily, should we be picking or not? I will tell you, again, I'm going to go back to it's very case dependent. Uh, it, one thing that I can say, if I in southern Florida were to go and just scrub all the scabs off, I would have a horse that when I came back to see it the next day would have four 
humongous legs. They would be gigantic because of infection and inflammation. But in Kentucky, I could go scrub those no problem. I mean, in Kentucky, I could scrub them with a with a antifungal shampoo, and I could use my fingernails and scrub, and I would be helping the problem in Kentucky, but irritating the problem in Southern Florida. So, and, and because of the environment, because of what's around, because it's 80 degrees and humid here, whereas you don't have that humidity and the in. So it's a little bit geographic as well, and it depends on the extent of of the scratches and whether you need to scrub them or whether you want to stay away from that because you're going to inflame them and make them worse by doing it. And that's why, and I hate to say it, but that's why you need your veterinarian sometimes to step in because it, it, they vary so greatly. We have a question from Deb in our live audience. She wants to know if uh, if cellulitis can result from horses living in muddy paddocks or pastures. Uh, Absolutely. Dr. Absolutely. Because just, just what I was saying, you know, you have um, a break in the skin and then you, I mean, sometimes you'll see them oozing the serum and cellulitis is basically just an inflammation and a vasculitis where the, you get edema of, of the legs because of an infection. And, and just like I said, extreme scratches, sometimes you can see even the horses develop a fever, and, and that can absolutely occur as if you have enough breaks in the skin and enough bacteria or fungus get into systemic circulation, you can see cellulitis due to scratches. Okay. So let's talk about getting these horses out of these wet environments a little bit. Elaine, we have a question from Lisa in our live audience, and she wants to know if French drains work to reduce water from pastures or paddocks. She says that she's heard that they can become clogged and stop working. Can you explain to us a little bit what a French drain is and how they might apply on a horse property? Sure. So <clears throat> a French drain is basically like a ditch that's filled with uh, a round rock that's going to drain pretty well, that water will pass through, a uh, large round rock, um, kind of like a drain field in a septic system for those who are familiar with septic systems. And in the, in the ditch, you can, uh, it can either just have the rock in it or it could also have a perforated pipe. And so water flows into the ditch either subsurface like through the soil and goes into the ditch or it goes across the top kind of like a drain on a road wood, water on the road and it goes into a storm drain. So water can flow across the surface of the soil and then hit that French drain and just flow into it and then go down into the pipes there and be diverted away. So the idea is with the French drain that you are collecting water and diverting it away and preferably, at least in my way of thinking about it, you want to be collecting, intercepting clean water before it gets to your confinement areas and your high traffic areas and diverting it away. So if you um, go out when it's raining and watch where water's flowing from and going to. 
the idea is that you want to you want to capture or intercept that water before before it runs into your paddocks or your high traffic areas and you want to divert it away because environmentally then you're keeping clean rainwater clean and not allowing it to get contaminated with mud and manure and then as a horse person you're you're keeping that much more water out of your your operation what you don't want to do and what I see happen uh, mistakenly by uh, horse people is they put the French drain inside the paddock or inside an arena and the French drains will not withstand traffic the edges of them are going to break down and, and erode and it's going to fill in with silt that way and you would also be capturing dirty water and taking it out and that's kind of counterproductive you want to just keep that water out of your paddock to begin with and not not let it get in there Does that makes sense yeah it does it does um, our next question is for Dr. Embley, and it's going back to uh, horse health. Ashley's in Maryland, and she wants to know how to manage thrush when her horse's feet always seem to be in wet mud or a wet stall. Very difficult because going back to Elaine, it, the best thing you can do is break the cycle somewhere. I mean, I, you have to dry these feet out. Um, the stall you probably have more control over than you know the external conditions but you really do need to try and give the hoof somewhere a dry condition at some point but keeping the foot clean certainly picking the feet foot if you have if you can do it twice a day if you can do it before the horse goes out in the morning and then again when the horse comes in in the evening or even if he's in the field you know when they feed him or but keeping the hoof clean there are uh, definitely lots of thrush products um, that are all very good you know thrush buster caramond um, any of these products uh, copper tox those are all use to treat thrush but actively treating it with a topical keeping the foot clean and hopefully finding a way to dry out the foot as well okay. Elaine our next question is for you it's from Deborah in California and she wants to know if you have any recommendations for managing urine and the smell of ammonia in really muddy areas and um, especially those areas that can be really difficult to muck out um, during the wet weather so part of managing um, urine and having it pooling in uh, or water pooling in, in paddocks starts actually back in the fall. And what I recommend to do in the fall or actually when you're setting up your paddocks, you want to make sure that your base underneath is correctly sloped so that it's the highest point right in front of the stall doors or your run-in sheds um, and then you want it sloped away from your barn so that it's going to drain away so that's the base layer and then you put your footing on top of it and in the fall then you want to get a new you want to refresh that footing so it's even and you don't have dips in it like in front of the high traffic areas where they come in and out of the barn 
um, or, or where they have where they stand all day or something like that. You want to make sure that you fill everything in and you slope it away from your barn or your shelter so that it's going to drain well. So that will go a long way toward uh, managing urine and muddy areas so that it's not pooling. And that's the biggest thing is that you want it to drain away. You want to have a type of footing that's a, that, it'll, that the urine can drain through. So that would be some kind of crushed rock probably or maybe a, a coarse washed sand product. Um, I do like different kinds of wood chips if you if the people, the horse owners live in an area where wood chips are available because they're not available in all parts of the country. But if they have wood chips from material that are non-toxic, those will work really well with urine because they will um, help break down the nitrogen in the urine and you won't have an odor smell when you use wood chips. Although the thing that you have to remember with wood chips is that they are going to be breaking down over time and eventually you end up with more organic material and that organic material is what can become mud in the wintertime. So you want to, usually you want to take out the old decomposed wood chips in the early fall and put in new wood chips before winter and the rainy season really set in. And I was, Dr. Gonna, I was just going to say that I know that our podiatrists, so they are veterinarians and also farriers, um, they also, they love the wood chips. I, I just wanted to, to throw that in, that they say, um, especially for horses with white line disease, um, that they see less of a problem with the wood chips than some of the gravels because the gravels, like we said earlier, some of the, the finer ones can work their way up in the hoof, especially on a horse suffering from white line disease, for example, when there's that separation of the lamina from the hoof wall, creating a, a pocket, um, and it's hard for the wood chips to get up there. And so I know that they they like that product and recommend wood chips. I just wanted to add that. Oh. And yeah, I use... just want to make sure that you don't have any toxic, um, that you know the source for your wood chips so that Absolutely. they're clean, there's no foreign objects, and there's no toxic uh, trees like black walnut or yes, that would have been or black locust. Horse to founder. If, yes, that would then right. cause your horse to founder if they decided to eat those wood chips. So you do need definitely a, a set, safe source of your wood chips. And I use wood chips on my property, um, not just for mud control, but also for dust suppression during the summer uh, because we have a really sandy desert soil. And I... I just ordered a load of wood chips from from my supplier, and I always ask him, you know, it's are you sure there aren't any foreign materials, no metal in this batch of wood chips? Because you can, when trees are getting pulled down, they'll have, they can have nails in them, or there can be wire, or sometimes it's stuff off construction sites, and you just don't know what what's gotten in there. 
Um, and he laughed because I always ask that question and he always tells me it's clean and, and this time he was like, when are you going to start trusting me that it's going to be clean? I'm like, I'm just going to keep asking you because <laughs> it's really important <laughs> to me uh, that, that we don't have any, any metal or foreign objects. So if anyone's thinking about using wood chips, I, I would recommend um, bugging your supplier guy a little bit like I do and, and making sure, like Elaine said, that there's no foreign objects in there in addition to making sure there's no black walnut or, or other things that could be toxic to, to our horses. Um, and um, Michelle, I might uh, also add, I don't like to recommend using uh, tree trimmings because they can be green and the horses might be more inclined to try to eat them and they could be moldy or they could be types of trees that aren't good for horses to eat. So I would stick with like what you're saying, buy your wood chips from somebody who's a reputed reputable dealer and can tell you exactly what the product material is. Yeah, and so we have a question from our live audience, Dr. Emily, I'm going to give this one to you. It's uh, Corinne, and she wants to know which injuries are most common in horses that work in deep, muddy footing. She says, for example, at a horse trial when you're running cross-country, um, you can end up running in mud. Will studs help? the horses maintain their footing or put them at an increased risk for injury. So we aren't talking about infectious disease, um, we're now talking about uh, actual injuries from the mud. Dr. Emily, yeah. what, what thoughts do you have on that? So from deep footing, that's when you see more of your soft tissue injuries. Um, so you will see tendons, suspensories, collateral ligaments. Um, in Lexington and in the colder areas, one thing that we will sometimes see, if you have mud and then the mud freezes, you get all of these divots. It's very, your fields are very uneven and you get pockets. And sometimes something as simple as them going out and torquing their foot the wrong way can cause an injury to a, a soft tissue structure. Um, one thing you can do is, as far as mud management in these cases, we always say if you know you're going to have a, a deep freeze, try and drag your fields that that evening before the freeze, and that'll get rid of some of the some of the the mountains and peaks. Um, as far as running cross country and to use or not use studs, it, it just it really depends on on the footing and the course that you're running. Um, I mean, if the ground, if you've got, um, you know, if it's mostly grass and it's going to be slick, then yeah, you'll, you're probably going to need your studs. Um, and if it's, I mean, I if it's all muck, usually I don't. I, I'm familiar with the horse park and they're really pretty cautious about their footing when they run. I mean, we we do run in the rain, but they don't have the extremes. Um, if it's extreme, they would cancel the event. They put in crush and run and and filler in front of the landings and the takeoffs. If the footing, you know, I've worked Rolex for five years. If if things are, are getting really deep before a fence, they absolutely will, will take care of that. So in, in most cases, running with your studs in would be warranted. And I, I'm not an eventer, so I don't run into that, but I am a dressage rider, and I have pulled out of shows because of the because footing. Of footing. Yeah, because of rain and, and wet, deep Too footing. Deep. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it, it, it is a danger. It's absolutely a danger. Yeah, and it always feels like a shame to lose those entry fees, but you but know, your when, bed bills and your horse's health, it's yeah. well in comparison. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, I want to compliment everyone who's listening live. We're getting some really great questions and lots of them. Um, I have a question for Elaine. This is from Beth, who's listening live. She wants to know if you could address the proper base layers and footing materials you would recommend to create. Uh, the mud-free paddock. Elaine, is the mud-free paddock uh, a myth? Um, no, that's that's a, a good question, and I'm glad we can talk about it because that's one of the main points to mud management is to have a paddock or confinement area, sacrifice area is another name for it. That's all season and that's hardened with uh, an all-weather surface and the reason why that's a big part of mud management is that this is going to be the area that you keep your horse in for the majority of the winter area winter time when your pastures are the grass plants are dormant and the soils are saturated so the sacrifice area or confinement area becomes their outdoor living quarters and you're not turning your pasture into a mud mess. So conversely then you have to do different things to make the um, confinement area mud proof and all weather. Um, As far as the footing, I think for a base it's always good to have a a larger crushed rock for a base like one and a quarter and compact that if you can and then put your softer footing on top which would be like a smaller sized gravel product like five-eighths or a half an inch crushed rock or if you have coarse washed sand in your area that would be a good footing to put on top sand is really comfortable for horses they'll lay down and sleep in it and they they really like sand a lot. A few other things that you have to do to make it an all-weather surface and to keep it mud-free would be to pick up manure on a regular basis. That would be at least once a day. And then install gutters and downspouts. That's a big one to divert uh, rainwater away from your sacrifice area so that it doesn't cause more mud. And then there's other things that we can talk about, like um, the French drains, like we mentioned before, and other ways to reduce surface flow. Uh, Elaine, we have a question from Carrie in Colton, Oregon. Uh, she wants to know if there's a downside to using sand. And then Dr. Embley, I'll ask you for a follow-up with that because she does ask specifically about sand colic and whether or not having sand in our horse's paddocks could lead to that problem. So let's start with you, Elaine, and then Dr. Embley. Yeah, I'm really glad to have um, a chance to talk about this. So for years, I didn't recommend sand um, because I was we were always so concerned about sand colic and, and people feeding on the sand. But where I live in southwestern Idaho, it's also a desert, and there aren't a lot of other products available. So we started using sand, uh, coarse-washed like arena sand, and I realized how much my horses like it and how much they sleep in the sand. And they're very um, 
comfortable in the sand and it seems like they sleep a lot more than they did in some of the gravel products that we used in the past. But I, uh, it's a big caveat when you use sand because you don't want to feed in it because of the risk of sand colic. So uh, you either have to sweep your surfaces where you're going to feed them if you're going to feed them on the ground. Or we have really cool corner feeders that have very little hay that ever comes out of them that the horses can't pull the hay out. And so it's really easy to feed in those and not be concerned about them dragging the, the hay out into the sand. Yeah, and I've been to your place, Elaine, and I picked paddocks at your place when I was visiting. And I have to say that they were really easy to clean. It was really quick to muck out your paddocks because of the sand. It reminded me of scooping a litter box that with the clumping litter and just scooping out the piles and, and going on my way. Um, do you find that it cuts down on chores having the sand in your paddocks? Yeah, that's a, another good point. Yes, it's much easier to pick up manure with sand than it than it was with gravel because it, the sand is so fine and yeah, like uh, clumping litter is a good description. I like that. I'll have to remember to use that. Yeah. So Dr. Embley, drawbacks to sand? Um, I, I think that basically the, th the things that, that you've said, you can prevent some of the drawbacks. The main drawback of sand being sand colic, um, it, which I don't see any of in Lexington, but see a fair amount of in South Florida. Um, and here, it's sand everywhere, and even the fields, the grass fields here, it's mostly weeds. They eat a little bit, and they're down to the sand. The same thing if you are betting on sand, and you've got a horse who dumps his hay or grain and then tries to hunt through the sand for it. So um, that is the risk with sand, but I think you can like Elaine does, there are ways of getting around it if that is um, what you have to, to bed the horses on. And also, I mean, I, I have some clients who use sand and, and enjoy it. And like for the things that you said, it's very easy to, to muck out. The horses like it. They lay down. Um, there are products that you can add like psyllium, you know, feed-throughs like sandblast. Um, that I certainly, we have the ponies here with us that, that my little girl rides, and they all get a scoop of that in their feed every day because I know when they get turned out, they eat some weeds and they eat a little sand. So there are things you can also do if they go out on sandy surfaces to try and prevent sand colic. We have a question from our live audience for you, Elaine. Kay wants to know what the best way is to prevent mud buildup in run-in sheds. What recommendations do you have for, for run-ins or loafing sheds? So it must be the, she must be asking about mud inside of, actually inside of the shelter or in the paddock, you think, in the shelter? Um, um, yes, in and around. In and around it, okay. Um, inside the shelter, I I actually like to have rubber stall mats. So I like to see um, if you can build up, like frame in inside of the shelter or around the outside of the shelter, frame it up with like railroad ties, fill it in with a crushed rock and compact it, and then put 
uh, stall mats on top of that, rubber stall mats, and that makes a great surface for a horse to stand on because it has a certain amount of give to it. And then it's a, a flat surface that you can easily clean, pick up the manure, sweep it, and then you can feed on that if, if, if it's clean and if, if that's how you feed. Around side, around uh, the outside of the shelter, uh, again, some kind of footing material. So 5 eighths minus is a real comfortable crushed rock size uh, and it would provide a good amount of drainage and then picking up manure every day. Manure is fine organic material and that is what mud is composed of. Um, organics will hold moisture so horse produces about 50 pounds of manure a day. If you don't pick it up that's 50 pounds of mud a day or more with it's holding a lot of water and then again the gutters and downspouts and divert that clean rainwater away to someplace outside of your confinement area. Uh, Dr. Emily, we have a question from Lisa in California and Lisa says that her pasture during the winter is sloppy and muddy and wet. Her mare's stall is nice and dry but the mare shows anxiety or seems claustrophobic when she's locked in all day to keep her out of the wet. What recommendations do you have for managing horses that are in their stalls either because it's wet out or like you mentioned earlier with horses with scratches maybe some time in a dry stall might benefit uh, their healing. How, how do you help balance the horse's behavior and stress level? Um, so there are certainly a, a lot of things you can do and a lot of answers. Um, if the horse is a really good eater, if they like to eat a lot, they have the, the slow, I don't know if you're familiar with the slow feed hay nets um, mm -hmm. that have very, very tiny holes in them. So the horses have to work. So even if they only get two or three flakes of hay, it takes them hours to eat those because they have to pick it out you know, piece by piece. So that gives the horse something to do. Um, if, if there's a companion, always that's the best. I mean, if that's an option, if there's a companion that can be in, they're always less anxious if they have a buddy. So that's the easiest thing if there's someone else. But if she's in a situation where, you know, it's only her mare on the property and there are no other horses and that's when the mare gets anxious when she's away from her buddies, it, you know, you can get a goat and I mean that is one thing that a lot of people do if they don't have another horse on the property and they have a horse who's very anxious goats make great buddies um, so if you have a companion bring a companion in you can always get a goat for a companion if you don't want a mini or another horse um, you can the hay nets um, stall balls, things to keep them entertained while in the stall and you know worst case scenario if if there is a situation like for a horse that we have that's rehabbing for an injury that has to stay in a stall or if you had an extreme you know cell, cellulitis or um, usually we get those out and walk but an extreme um, skin issue where you had to keep the horse in the dry, you know, there are also things that, that you could give them sedative-wise if you had to have them uh, stay calm. Okay. 
Uh, Elaine, we have a question from our live audience for you. It's from Matt, and he wants to know if there are any products that you recommend that can help deal with the ammonia odors in muddy conditions. And do you have any other management suggestions for helping with uh, those that smelliness that, that we often get with our mud? Yeah, there are uh, some great products out there that are really useful for odor control in products. So the first one, there's different kinds of uh, zeolite products out there. There, zeolite is a mineral that's in clay. It's mined, and there's a couple of different kinds of products that um, are available that you can sprinkle out. You can put them in your in your stall, but you can also sprinkle them out in your paddocks where the horses urinate, and that will help a lot. Um, then there are a couple of other companies that make um, a product that's basically like compost tea. It's beneficial microbes, uh, bacteria, fungus, and enzymes. And you can put that product into a garden sprayer and just spray it on your paddocks. And it's amazing how much, how useful that is and how much help it is for uh, breaking down odors. And basically, those beneficial microbes will—they're—they're they're eating or breaking down the uh, organic material and the nitrogen in the in the urine. We have a question from our live audience for you, Dr. Embley. Nora wants to know if there's a correlation between living in muddy conditions and the development of hoof abscesses. So. Hoof abscesses are multifactorial. They can get them in an extreme drought. They can get them when it's extremely wet. Um, it, mud isn't, can it be a cause of hoof, hoof abscesses? Absolutely. Basically, the fluctuation of the hoof from a wet hoof to a dry hoof can predispose to abscesses. Um, you know, a nail, you know, uh, like a hot nail from a farrier. There are so many different things that can cause an abscess. I don't think that we can definitively say, you know, that mud in general causes hoof abscesses because you'll see just as many in the wet season as the dry season. But, I mean, yes, it can, it can be a factor. But that being said, there are certainly a thousand things that can cause an abscess other than mud as well. We see a ton of abscesses. And we have another question for you, Dr. Embley, from our live audience. Embley, or Emily wants to know if horses kept outside in muddy paddocks 24-7 should get any additional vaccines. And I think she might be asking about the uh, new Lepto vaccine. Um, so, I guess also depending on on where you are, um, they are they did recently um, that was just came on the market this year is the, the lepto vaccine and yes in in wet areas lepto can be a problem it, it can has been shown to cause abortion in mares um, so. It, 
it, it, it has to be, the protocol has to be followed. I believe it's two shots um, and, and that you, you certainly have to check a, a certain amount of days apart. And if you're living in a really wet area, it would definitely be something to consider. And I think that you should talk to your veterinarian about whether that vaccine should go into your core vaccine because it is, prevalent in some areas of the country and not very prevalent in others. Um, but one other that I think sometimes gets for easily forgotten is botulism and botulism, Clostridium botulinum. It lives in the soil, but it can also live in, in um, damp or moist or anaerobic areas. And a lot of times if you feed round bales, um, that is an area where this can live and it is a completely preventable disease if, if the horse is are vaccinated and it's very regional so again I certainly suggest talking to your veterinarian about whether you should include botulism in your core vaccines but in Lexington it is definitely a core vaccine for us and um, it is one that if the horse has never received that vaccine before, it is three shots basically to get their levels up and then it's a yearly booster after that. Okay. Uh, Elaine, we have a question from Lisa in our live audience and she wants to know what your thoughts are on using rubber type footings in sacrifice areas. Here in Oregon we have Nike and we call that the, call it the Nike footing, the, the rubber Nike footing. Uh, do you recommend that for for sacrifice areas? I don't recommend that for sacrifice areas because the footing that you have in your sacrifice areas is going to end up in your compost. Um, you're going to be picking it up and uh, putting it into your manure management program and you probably don't want um, rubber tires or uh, Nikes in your pasture you know, ending up there. I suppose if you're hauling it off-site and it's going to some other use where it's not getting recycled, um, maybe that might not be as much of a concern. But I always recommend um, natural products in your sacrifice area so that, you know, if you get a little bit of gravel or a little bit of wood chips that ends up in your compost and then in turn ends up back out in your pasture, that's there's you know nothing wrong with that or you're not going to mind that but if you end up with a lot of tires out there I don't think I'd want my horses eating decomposed ground tires so okay neither yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> Um, Dr. Embley, we have a question for you. It's from Chantelle in Ontario, Canada, and she wants to know what she can do to keep her horse's shoes on during turnout in muddy, wet fields. It's very difficult, really. Bell boots are about the only thing that, that I can suggest to help you. Hopefully that'll keep them, if they overstep or keep you from at least another foot grabbing that shoe, but as far as just the mud loosening the nails and, and pulling off them off, can't really help you too much there. It, it happens sometimes, but the bell boots will help at least the other feet from you know grabbing a piece of the shoe and, and pulling off. Do you recommend uh, pulling shoes during the winter because of the mud? Um. Usually not, um, just because 
especially in in Lexington, a lot of the horses are thoroughbreds, and um, they are very thin-soled, and a lot of them, if they've been in shoes, don't always do well when you take them out of their shoes, and they get foot sore, and the ground is hard, and so it, it depends on, to me, again, very, very case-based, what's the horse going to do? Is he still going to be working? Is he just going out in the field for four months? I mean, it really depends on what you're expecting of your horse, how much work he's going to be in, what the condition of his feet are. Does he have good feet? Does he have good sole depth? Um, or is he going to be crippled when we take him out of his shoe? So all of those things would factor in, and it would be very, very horse dependent based on their foot and and the health of their hoof. Okay. Um, we have a question from our live audience, and Dr. Emily, I'm going to give it to you. It's from Andrea, and she wants to know if dust from sand footing in paddocks and sacrifice areas can affect horses with heaves. Is there a type of sand that is dust-free or low dust that might help these horses? What are, What are your thoughts on that issue? So, yes. Any sort of dust can affect a horse with heaves. Um, so um, I don't. I, I guess I'll, that would be, you know, Elaine. As as far as products you could use in your sacrifice areas. But I mean, the other thing, if you have a, a sprinkler or you know can just scoot over it with a hose, if you can just slightly moisten it uh, to to take down the dust. I mean, if you have a really heavy horses, yeah, dust can affect them. Okay. Yeah, and I would say get a uh, if you get a gravel product, make sure it's washed, so you can get you can get almost any kind of product and you get it washed, and that basically means that the fines are no longer in it, so it's going to be less dusty. Okay. Yeah, and I use that for my arena, and in my area they call it concrete sand because it's been washed for concrete, so it costs a little bit more because they have processed it, um, but it really, really cut down on the sand, at least for now, until it breaks down a little bit over time, and then, then I expect it will get a little bit dusty. Um, we have a question for you, Elaine, from Carrie in Texas, and she wants to know if you have any inexpensive ways to reduce mud or to manage clay soil. Yeah, I think that, uh, personally, I think clay is the hardest soil to manage and that's what we have here, um, and that's because the clay particles themselves don't have much of a shape. They're they're like little frisbee discs, so they just basically slip and slide around when they're wet, and they tend to get really dusty in the summertime too. So the best thing for clay soils really is to put a lot of footing on top of them, because when they get wet, they just turn like gelatinous. Yep, and you just slip and slide. So a lot of uh, footing product, be it driveway gravel or some other kind of crushed rock on top and form a really hard base. I went to vet school in, at the University of Georgia, and there we have a lot of clay, and we would see horses all of the time that basically were playing in the fields and, you know, slid through the fences because the footing just got so muddy, and they would just slide because the clay just was like a slip and slide. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and the clay is so sticky and messy, too. Um, I've lived in areas with clay. We don't have that issue in, in the desert at all. <laughs> but <laughs> You're lucky. Yeah. Um, so we are actually out of time for tonight. We're, we're rounding out our hour. I want to thank both of you for joining us. Thanks, Elaine, and thank you, to, uh, Dr. Ashley Embley, uh, for answering everyone's questions tonight. I thought it was a great conversation, um, lots of great things to learn. Uh, obviously, scratches is on the top of everyone's mind. Um, and I want to thank everyone who sent questions in beforehand and during the live event and for joining us live tonight. If you want to listen to this uh, event again, it will be posted on thehorse.com. Um, until next time, uh, I'm Michelle Anderson for thehorseandthehorse.com. From all of us here, have a great night.